We are in the week two of a series called First. And, uh, you know, and I believe that this is just an important season in, in time uh, for us as individuals. I believe it's important for us as a church. Uh, but I also believe that it's maybe even more important. Like, you know, there are seasons of church life where uh, kind of priorities are different things. And we're always about helping new people know God better. I mean, it's part of our vision. It's, it's you know, we, we exist for what reasons? To know God so that we know God, other people know God. We want you to find freedom. You know, like, what does that mean? That means that God wants to settle all of your past stuff. So all those things that you would rather not talk about, God would like to talk about them. But it's not just to bring them out. He wants to heal it. He, and so we want you to find freedom. We want you to what? Discover your purpose. That's what going to discover is about to some degree. Uh, but also, we believe that when we do all those things, the byproduct is that you, we're going to go out and make a difference in the world around us. And, uh, you know, and so here at the first of the year, though, I believe that we have a, 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 just a strategic but also important time for us as individuals to begin to seek the Lord. We're, you know, this series we're calling first because it's just the principle of first because order matters. Uh, you know, the tagline of this is that, uh, is that order matters and that God is first. Why? Because he can't be second. It's not just that he won't. No, he really can't be. He's either first or... Yeah. And so, you know, but we've been sharing, and Pastor John started last week, as I said earlier, I would encourage you, if you weren't here, jump online. You can watch the message, and, um, you know, because it'll help. But this morning, what I want to help you do is, because today we're... Right today, tomorrow, we're kicking into 21 days of prayer. And so prayer and fasting. And so I have two goals today. Number one is to encourage you and to give you some, uh, to inspire you to fast something. Now, what you do is between you and the Lord. This is not legalism. This is not like you better do this. No, this is you pray, you seek the Lord and you find out what he's asking you to do because he will speak to you if you'll ask. And, um, but as well as that, to also be very prayerful during this time. Because I believe that when we ask God, hey, what is your agenda for my life this year? I believe he'll tell us. I really believe that. And, and the good news is, is that when we do what God tells us, he will bless it. And so that's why I believe that we do this. And so I want to share some things with you along these lines this morning just to help get us ready, get us prepared, and to, to get us geared up. And so, you know, this is actually one of my favorite times of the year, as odd as that may sound. Because you're like, well, yeah, but you're putting stuff aside and you're, you, yeah, but that's, I love what it produces in my life. I really do. And I've been doing this for close, somewhere around 10 years now. Every January I've done this. And man, it has been such a blessing. And this is what I can tell you, is that every year I have finished stronger than I started. Since I've been doing this as a discipline in my life, every year I can say that I've grown from where I was at the beginning. There's not been one year that I can look back on and say that I finished the year worse than I started. Not one time. And I believe with all of my heart, it's because of what I do in January that affects the rest of the year. And so, like I said earlier, if it's good for me, I believe it's good for you. So why wouldn't I communicate this to you? And so uh, the principle or one of the places that the principle that we see uh, this is this. It, it comes out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. can be a familiar passage of Scripture. But Jesus is teaching the disciples, and we're going to spend some time in Matthew 6 today. We're going to kind of be going around several Scriptures. But here in verse 33, it says, seek, seek. That means pursue, like 
It's not just sit back and wait. No, seek it out. If you lost something, like this morning, I was looking for one of my son's shoes. I was seeking a shoe. Why? Because I didn't know where it was. I didn't find it, so I went with another pair, you know. So, but there's some, there's what? It's, it's active. Seeking is not passive. Seeking is, is what? It's active. And so the Amplified adds this. It says, first and more, most importantly, seek and strive after the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, if we, well, let me keep, let me read a couple more scriptures here out of Matthew chapter six because the instructions are to seek, make the first priority God's kingdom. Okay, and so that's part of what we're doing during this season. We're, we're gonna be very intentional about what we're doing, how we're doing, why we're doing. The why matters more than the what. It's not about perfection. It's not like, well, I, 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 I didn't hit the mark. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning. They're like, man, that, that first cup of, that, that, that day away from coffee is gonna hit me. If you drink a cup of coffee, just start back. You know, because why? Because it's not about what you're doing. It's about why you're doing it that matters. The why matters much more. Because you could, you could do everything perfect, but if your why is off or not right, then the what don't really matter. The why matters. In verse 19 of Matthew 6, Jesus gives us instructions. And a lot of times we'll use this in the area of giving, but it has much wider uh, truth than just that. Jesus tells us, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. He says, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. He says, wherever your treasure is, wherever what you value is, there the desires of your heart will be also. One of the ways to get your heart in line with what God wants for you is to what? Put what you value on God. Like in other words, there are things that become greater priority. Things get out of order. And so one of the things that we can do here in January is by laying things aside, what we're actually saying is, God, I value you above that. I value you above my Dr. Pepper. That would be mine. One of them, one of many, but... I value you more than getting on Facebook. I value the, the, the impact of your word in my life more than just aimlessly scrolling on Facebook about everybody else's pretend lives. I value what your word will do in my life, the power of your word. Therefore, I'm not gonna get on Facebook. I'm actually gonna spend more time in the word of God during this time. Why? Because it produces something in me And there's also a sensitivity that comes from the Holy Spirit when we remove distractions. And so the word of God actually becomes even uh, more alive. Here's just a side note. You know, God's word never changes. Our approach to it changes. Our sensitivity to his word changes. And so what we want to do is we want to value God's presence. We want to value his word. We want to value those things. Why? Because it says wherever our treasure, wherever what we value is, there the desires of our heart will be. So you say, man, hey, I want to desire more of God. Okay, well, you got to value some things about the kingdom of God more. And when you begin to do that, guess what? Your will, your desires are going to begin to shift. They're going to begin to change. 
In Matthew chapter 6, verse 32. I know I'm giving you quite a few scriptures here at the beginning, but I'm just trying to lay down some, some groundwork here. Now, he, in context, he's talking here, and he's just gone through and said, hey, have you considered the birds of the air? Have you considered the lilies of the valley? Like, they don't work, they don't stress, they don't, they're not anxious about anything, yet God takes care of them. And so he goes on in verse 32 and says, for this is what the unbelievers or the Gentiles chase after. He says, doesn't your heavenly father already know the things that your body requires? In other words, God already knows what you need, so why are you stressing about it? Why are you frustrated about it? God already knows where you're at. He knows everything about you. And so, and right on the back, so he says, don't worry about all those things. Instead, seek the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God. That was verse 32. Verse 33 is seek first the kingdom of God. Well, how do I seek first the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? It's real simple. I mean, I I know it, it can be like, I have no idea. How do you... What does that mean? It's God's agenda. It's what matters to him. And so first and foremost, what matters to God? You. So how do I seek God's kingdom in my life? I I make it a priority in my life, yes. But I also want to make sure that what? That I am growing in, in God's influence in my life. That's because I want to grow the kingdom of God in me first. Before I go out and make a difference in somebody else, I need to make sure I'm making a difference in my own life, in my own heart. And I can do that by setting some things aside, focusing on the Lord during this just a a short season. This isn't a long season. It's a few weeks. And you can set some things aside, though, that will set you up for success and blessing for the rest of the year. So... First and foremost, what, God, what is God's agenda? It's us growing in his influence in our life and our understanding of who he is. Well, how do we understand who he is? We go and read the, the word of God. He reveals himself in scriptures. That's why it's important for us to read God's word. You're like, I don't even know where to begin. Go read the book of John. If you, if you have no idea where to start reading the Bible, start in the book of John, which is in the New Testament, fourth book of the New Testament, Skip forward to the epistles, which is, starts with Corinthians, goes all the way through to, is it, I can't remember what the last one is. Is it Jude or First Peter? No, it's Second Peter, I think. Anyhow, that's going to talk to you as the church, you as a believer in Christ right now. Those are the two great places to start. If you need a devotional, we got you a devotional. If you want a devotional, put one on your phone. Get on the YouVersion Bible app. There are tons of devotionals on there. Come up with a reading plan. Follow it. Do those things. Why? Because making the priority of God's word will make it, will even make it more come alive. But it, it helps you understand God. The second thing that's on God's agenda, number one, it's you. He wants you to know him more. He really does. The second thing that he desires is that we help other people know him. So that's how we seek God's kingdom. We grow and we help other people grow. That's really what it's all about. And we grow in our knowledge and our experience of God, not just head knowledge, but actual experience knowledge. So how do we put God first? Order matters. We've been saying this. Order matters. Priorities matter. What's important to you? Because what's important to you, you'll make time for. I mean, I'm sure on January 12th, does anybody know what that day is? 
It's a little thing called the national championship. Anybody got plans that night? Anybody? Is it the 12th? 13th. There you go. I said the wrong. All right. Anybody got plans on the 13th of January? Why is that day important to you? Why is that day significant on your calendar? Because some men in tights are going to run around on a field. They're going to chase each other. Look, go Tigers. I'm a football fan, trust me. I'm not making fun. But in the scheme of life, what's the significance of three to four hours on January 13th? I mean, let me just remind you, it's a game. Now, look, and I'm competitive as all get out. I want the Tigers to win, the LSU Tigers. I like Clemson and Dabo and all that, but not when they play in the Tigers, you know. Like, since I'm already here, I might as well just talk about it. And I'm just going to pose this question to myself. What would I do if at halftime the Lord told me, turn the game off? Oh, snap. Come on. (laughs) Record. (laughs) I will come back to you game. Lord, what you need, you know. I mean turn my phone off. Like I don't need no notifications. I mean, but honestly, what would I do? What's my priority? Is God first or is that game first? I mean, I'd probably be trying to negotiate with the Lord, but you know, (laughs) but the priority matters. It's funny, my wife wants to be priority in my life. And I don't think much about her. As a matter of fact, I think she deserves priority in my life because she puts up with me. So I'm like, she should get more of my time. I don't think anything about making her a priority or my children a priority. I would sacrifice things that I want for them. And I do. So why would I think it any different or any less for me to make a sacrifice in my relationship with the Lord? Why? Because he's a priority. He's, he, he, it's more than religion. This is like relationship. And beyond relationship, it's life to me. It's life for me. And so focus matters. Being intentional, being focused during this time. Man, it, it's important. Not just kind of flowing through the motions. Matthew chapter 6 actually gives us some instructions. Verse 16 through 18. And and Jesus is actually, in Matthew 6, he has three things he talks about. And they're not ifs, they're wins. He says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. I didn't hear if you give, and if you pray, and if you fast. It says when. In other words, Jesus has an expectation that we're going to do these things. And so he gives us some specific instructions. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious. You ain't suffering for Jesus. Okay? Because he already suffered for us. We're not suffering for Jesus. That's not the point. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. He says, I tell you the truth. The only reward, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, take a shower, put some deodorant on, wash your face. 
says, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, trust me, your flesh will want to rise up. Man, I need that, I, I, I need that coffee. I need those sweets. Man, if I could just, Lord, I'll just have a little cracker, like a, just a, like a little goldfish. Just give me one, you know. I mean, I just need some salt. I mean, you know, I mean, you know. I mean, we laugh, but you get off social media. And you, oh, man, what's going on? Nothing you need to know about because they'd call you if you did. But yet, man, it's like, oh, man, we got to be involved with this. Oh, well, what's happening on that TV show? Most of it's make-believe anyways. It's not really that important, but yet we can become so engrossed in those things that, man, it just dominates our life. And yet here it says that we're actually supposed to fast and no one should even be able to know about it. Now, obviously, we're going to know about it because we're all doing it together. But you're like, I might get irritable. Pretty good chance. Pretty good chance. Just an opportunity to, to exercise that no muscle. Like, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do that. Because it's all about order. It's about having things in proper place. So let me answer a couple questions just quickly. Is it what is a fast? Because I realize some of you have no idea this concept. Because trust me, when I started, it was actually about 12 years ago, the Lord, see, I was, I, I was slow to obedience when it came to fasting. The Lord started talking to me about it, and my thought was, I can't do that. That was my response. So I just said, no, not really the right response to the Lord, but that was it. And over the course of about two years of him dealing with me, I finally said, okay, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to fail, and I'm going to show you why I can't do it. And to my amazement, I was able to do it. And I thought, holy cow. I had no idea I could do this. And it changed my life. So why would God tell me to do it if it wasn't going to be good for me? He had good things in mind, and it really did change my life. But this is what a fast is. It's a predetermined time frame. That's important. You need to determine in your heart before you start. Don't be like, well, I'm just going to kind of wing it. You're going to wing it right off of what God wants for you. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. You predetermine, like pray about it. Ask the Lord, say, hey, what would you have me to lay aside during this time? And make the determination. Now, again, it's not legalism. That's not the point. But it's a predetermined time frame that is set apart and dedicated to focusing on the Lord. That's really what fasting is. You determine in your heart, I'm going to do this for this long. And it doesn't have to be one thing for the whole time. I've done it where I've done seven days, seven days, and seven days, where I do different things for different time frames. And every year, I don't think I've ever done the same thing twice. I've always just asked the Lord, what's the fast you want me to do? Because it don't matter what I want. I want God's blessing on it. You're like, well, why do I need to fast? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, if you feel spiritually lethargic, stuck in a rut, it's a great time to fast. Because why? You just need to, you need that little boost. You need a little. What's significant about 21 days? Daniel did it. That's what's significant. They tell you if it, you know, you do something for 21 days, it builds a habit. I've heard things that say that's not quite true, but whatever. What's significant about 21 days? 
Daniel did it in Scripture. That's where it comes from. There's nothing magical. It's like, well, I made it today. I guess I didn't get anything. Here's the thing. God's going to honor whatever you do in obedience. And it doesn't matter. You may say this is so insignificant. Like it wouldn't even matter. If the Lord's telling you to do it, I would encourage you to do it. Because he's going to meet you where you're at. So there's a couple types of fast. So I'm going to just give you these things real quick. So number one, start. Well, this is number one, but let me just give you some, some, some wisdom for you. Start where you're at. Like, don't try to be like this crazy, like you go and, re- if you get online and start fat and researching and, and looking up fasting, you're going to get these crazy things. Start where you're at. Don't try to do something that you're not ready for, because trust me, I've done that. It don't turn out too well. Start where you're at. It should be challenging to you, but not impossible. But it should push you to the point where you've got to rely on God. It's like, God, I can't do this in and of myself. So here's, here's four things, four types of fast. I'm going to give these to you quick. You could do specific drinks, types of food, snacks, and activity fast. These are all things. So you could say, hey, I'm going I'm to knock out caffeine. That's one of the things I do every January. I ain't even got to pray about it. I take out all sugar and all, and all caffeine. Like, don't you get a headache? Yes. The byproduct is I sleep great, though. <laughs> like, I sleep less and I feel better. Shocker. So you could do a specific type of thing as far as food or snacks or, you know, like I, I will only, when I do eat, I will eat only my meals because I'm a big snacker. Like, I don't eat big meals, but I eat all the time. If you're with me, I got snacks, like, you know, where's my Snickers bars? <laughs> you know, the little mini ones, <laughs> those don't count, you know. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, so for me to not snack is a big deal. Where's some chips? Like, man, I love chips and dip and like, but for 21 days, I won't be partaking of chips and dip and all my snacks and I'll eat two meals a day because that's my normal. I eat two meals and I snack all the time. That makes up my third meal, you know. But that's, so for a portion of my time, and I'm not telling you to do that, I'm just telling you what I'm doing, part of it. And the rest of it's between me and the Lord, so. But, so there are specific things. The second one that you could do is what's called a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast consists of this, and it comes out of Daniel chapter 10. Um, but it talks about, or actually, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 1, I added a zero there. Um, but it really consists of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains. Things that come from a seed is really, if you want to get very detailed about it, that's really what a Daniel fast consists of. And so you can do that. You can lay that aside. I had a couple, a number, when we were serving at a church there in Kansas, I had actually taught this uh, at the beginning of the year. And they came to me probably like August, September, October, at the end of the year. And they said, man, we did what you said on that Daniel fast. And they're like, we felt so good. We just started incorporating it like in our normal life. And we just eat vegetables more. Like we just take time and just to detox your body. And there's all kinds of, of medical reasons they say this is good. That's not why we're doing it. But hey, it's a good side benefit. But uh, another one, which I've never done this particular one, just because I'm not a big juice person, but the, it's a, a juice fast. Like people taking juice, fruit, that kind of stuff. And uh, Dara does that some. And, um, you know, and so you do that. And the last one, which this is the one I would give the most caution with because it's by far the most extreme. Uh, which is a total fast, which is water only. And uh, which is, you need to know that 
I'll just tell you, I've never done a 21-day water-only fast. And I've been doing this for 10 years. So I have done only water for particular time frames, yes, but I've never done an entire 21-day. That comes actually that Jesus did a 40-day water fast. Actually, he didn't even have water. He, did a, he went out in the wilderness for 40 days, which is in the desert, like just crazy. But I'm, good thing I ain't Jesus. Praise the Lord. I ain't got to go find a desert, and I ain't got to eat or drink nothing for 40 days. But here's what's interesting about that. It says at the end of that time, though, it says that the devil came during that time where he was out in the wilderness fasting. It said the enemy came and tempted him, tried him, tested him. And in the end, the Bible says that he was refreshed and strengthened. And he left the wilderness in a strength that he did not come into it with. And I believe the same thing will happen for us is that we can leave this season of our of fasting stronger than we're walking into it. But we just have to be intentional about it. So there's a book by Jensen Franklin called Fasting that was one of the books that I've used. I believe we have them out there in the Resource Center. But he, there's a quote in there that I, he says, The discipline of fasting breaks you out of the world's routine. Notice, the discipline of fasting. The discipline. That's not a word that we like, but the discipline of fasting breaks you out of the world's routine. It prepares the way for God to give you fresh revelation, fresh vision, and a clear purpose. This is, so it's a discipline, it's a choice, but it's something we're going to have to decide to do. It's a discipline. Jesus said, when you do this, not if you do this. Now, as I was preparing this message, the Lord began to stir up a verse in me that I've actually never connected to fasting, ever. And it was actually, I think, Friday, if I'm not mistaken. So I was kind of, had already had some things written out. I kind of had a pretty good feel for things. And then the Lord brought this scripture up in my heart. And so I was, I began to go read it. I thought, man, I've never connected these. And it comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. And it actually is talking about um, the discipline, if you will, the discipline of the Lord. But I'm going to add one word. I'm gonna, so it'll be up on the screens for you. But it says God's discipline. But I'm going to add a word in here and say godly discipline. When we discipline our lives in a godly way, he says that it's always good for us. So when God corrects us, but even when we choose to discipline ourselves, like in this particular time, to set some things aside, it is always good for us when we live and bring our lives in line with the word of God so that we might share in his holiness. It says no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. You might have a headache. That's your body like a little distress signal saying, help me, help me. But the truth is, is that you don't need more caffeine. You really don't. We've just programmed our body to think it does. And look, I'm not anti-caffeine. I drink caffeine all the time. So, But there is something significant. It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening, but afterward. But afterward. No discipline is, is, is good in the moment, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now, I understand. Some of you are in this room and you, you're thinking, you have no idea what I'm going through right now. You have, like, this doesn't even matter. Like, I could care less about fasting. If you knew what I was facing, you would probably preach on something different. Let me continue reading what the scriptures say, and, and this is in context 100%. I'm not taking it out of context at all. It 
So he's talking about discipline being good in that moment. And he says that, hey, it's good for you, that it would produce harvest. He says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. So, hey, if you're spiritually dull right now, if you're in a lull right now, or if you're facing something, you're going, man, I don't know what to do about this. That's a great time to fast. I need an answer from the Lord. Okay, so if you need an answer, shut off the noise. He says, take a new grip, grab hold of tightly. He says, strengthen your knees. He says, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but they will become strong. Discipline, when we walk in obedience to what the Lord is asking us to do, it's amazing what this discipline will produce, even with weak hands and weak knees. They will become strong. Why? Because it's, it's, it's allowing godly discipline into our life that would produce godly results. See, I believe it, even you may have symptoms in your body. If you will begin to seek the Lord during these 21 days, I believe that healing can come. You may say, well, they, they have no answer for this. I do. It's called Jehovah Jireh. My God has provided healing for me. He has provided healing for you. And I can seek him. I'm not trying to manipulate or work God to do. No, he already wants to do it. I just need to get in line with what he wants to do. That's what I need to do. And that's what scriptures is saying. Is that, man, if we will put this discipline into our life, it is powerful. See, fasting is a short season that releases some long-term effects and blessings into our life. I shared this earlier, but God is more interested in the why that you are fasting than the what. Why are you doing it? It's about being focused. You know, Pastor John uh, shared this last week. He, he made this statement. I went back and I, because I, I knew I'd written it down. And he says, if you want something to come alive in your life, sometimes something has to die first. That may be your desires, maybe dreams, maybe desires. It's like, man, God, I'm just going to trust you in this area, and I'm going to let these things go. I'm just going to trust that you know what you're doing. See, any time that we want God to do something new in us, especially in our own hearts, it's always going to come from a, ple- a fresh place of surrender. Always. That's one of the reasons why I love this season. Last year, I had the, I, I kind of, towards the end of our 21 days, right in this room. I come in here and I pray a lot of the times. I don't know why, it's just my habit. That's what I do. There's nothing significant about it, it's just my habit. And I remember, I was standing, I was actually walking. I was about over here. And I, all of a sudden, a light bulb went off. And I was like, that's why I fast. Been doing it for years and never quite understood it. Not fully, anyways, I thought I did. And I was like, that's it. And it was real simple, is that I fast to come to the end of myself. Because when I get to the point where I say, God, I can't anymore. He's like, good, let me help you. Let me help you. So I come to the end of myself, and God's right there waiting for me. But it does, it, it produces something in me. It will produce something in you. This surrender, this, this, this place of just, God, I need you. 
Not just that I want you as an accessory in my life. No, 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 no. You are first. You are foremost. You are of utmost importance. And I don't just need you as an accessory. No, I need you in my life, like desperately. Like more than watching the Tigers win the national championship. I'm just going to throw that out there. More than that. More than my next meal. More than a Dr. Pepper some coffee, whatever it may be. God, I, I need you more than that. I say this many times, but I believe, but it comes out of this, this idea and what I've understood and learned about fast is that what I'm doing by fasting, I'm just simply creating space. I'm creating some space for God to come in and feel. That's what I'm doing. I'm just carving out some space for him. Jesus will never force, but he will feel. He will fill the space that we create. He's not going to force us to do it. Now, fasting alone is not enough. There's, a, there's an aspect, and they're really kind of partners, but, but they work so well together, and it's prayer and fasting. I believe that we can pray any time, and I believe that it's powerful. I believe that God moves. I believe that God works. But I think there's something even more powerful when I couple prayer with fasting. But if I'm just fasting and I'm not praying, guess what? I'm on a diet. If I'm just fasting, actually, I'm just being mean to myself. <laughs> if I'm not, you know, I'll share some, Let me, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me, in Matthew chapter 6, this is the same place where it says that Jesus, same passage where Jesus says, when you fast. Well, now he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. In other words, don't make a big show of your time with the Lord. I tell you the truth, that's the reward, that, or that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. He says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. One translation says, oh, well, I'll keep reading, never mind. It says, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Here's a truth about prayer. Is that prayer has more or requires more of your heart than your tongue. Prayer requires more of your heart than your tongue. You're like, well, I don't know what to say. It doesn't matter. We can have pretty prayers that are pointless. Or we can have heartfelt prayers that may not sound pretty at all that are powerful. Why? Because true prayer requires more of the heart than it does my words. True prayer. See, fasting is not a requirement. Prayer is not a requirement. It's a choice. It's a decision that we make that we want to develop. And so when we combine prayer with fasting, it will cause what? A greater awareness and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And what he's speaking to us. It just creates some, some space. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18. He says, always be joyful. We're about to start a fast. Remember that scripture. Always be joyful. My head's pounding. Always be joyful. It says, never stop praying. It says, be thankful in every circumstance. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Prayer should be as natural to us as breathing. Like, well, I don't know how to pray. Look, we have devotionals. We have prayer guides. We have, I mean, look, I, I've got you resources. 
to help you to know how to pray. To know what to pray. And they don't, it doesn't mean you've got to pray for 10 minutes. It might be 30 seconds. But if your heart's connected to that 30 seconds, it's powerful. You know, I believe that, that this lifestyle of prayer really, and I would call it the priority of prayer, is that we have this simple thought of that, hey, we pray first. My head hurts. I should pray first. Hey, I've got a bill. I don't know how I'm going to pay. I should pray first. Hey, I've got this situation going on in my family. I don't know what to do. You should pray first before you call somebody. That should be our first response Like, that should just be default for us. Like, when we have a problem that we don't know what to do, we default to, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray about that. That just should be, hey, I'm going to pray first. 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 Why? Because prayer is what connects us to God, and it's what opens up the door, and it invites him into that moment, into that situation. And so I want to give you just a, look, I'm a quotes guy. I like quotes. I like them. I I memorize them. They just stick in my head. That's why I use them a lot. But I want to give you a few quotes on prayer. These just kind of fire me up. I have different sheets for different things that I keep on my computer. And uh, so, you know, they're just things that kind of stir up my faith. And, uh, but I want to share some of them with you. So here's, they'll be on the screens for you too. But here's the first one. It says, no man is greater than his prayer life. No man is greater than his prayer life. I don't care how many scriptures you can quote if you don't know how to pray because that could just, all that scripture can be head knowledge. Now, it can be heart knowledge. And it, you need both. But no man is greater than his prayer life. Charles Spurgeon, who was a, a very well-known pastor, preacher, this was pretty cool. He says, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. I like that one. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world. The Bible tells us that God holds the whole universe in the palm of his hand. Uh, how you figure that one out, I don't know. But that's just what the Bible says, so that's what I believe. John Wesley said this. He said that God does nothing except in response to a believing prayer. God does nothing except in response to a believing prayer. Not just a prayer, but a faith-filled prayer. This one here is really cool. I like this one. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance but laying hold of his willingness. I really like that one. I'm not trying to convince God to do anything that he doesn't already want to do. No, when I pray, what I'm actually doing is I'm stirring my faith and it's reminding me, no, God already wants to do this. His word says, like I would encourage you, pray the word of God. Why? Because you can be sure God is true to his word. Prayer is not trying to overcome God's, like I'm busy right now. Yeah, but God, if you could, all right, I'll get up off the heavenly couch and do some. No. We are not trying to convince God to do anything. Prayer actually makes us aware of his willingness to work in our lives, his desire to work in our lives. Here's the last quote. It says, our prayers must mean something to us if they're going to mean anything to God. 
If you want your prayer to matter to God, it needs to matter to you first. That goes back to your heart being connected to it. Not the perfectly phrased words or all those things like, sometimes you just need to be raw with God. Like, God, I don't understand what's going on or why this is going on. I'm not real happy about it. I don't talk to God in these and thous. I talk to God just like I preach. No different. And if I'm frustrated, God, can you help me with this? If I'm agitated, my prayer probably sounds a little agitated. See, what matters is not how I enter prayer. What matters is how I leave prayer. (laughs) That's really what matters. Because why? Because I go to pray to God so that I can change, so that God's grace can come into my life, so I can come in there agitated and frustrated and, and, and all these types of things or, you know, but as long as I just don't leave that way. As long as I don't leave the way I came, then that's the way prayer is effective. You know, I said this a few minutes ago, or I alluded to it, but as I wrap up, you know, if you just lay some things aside during this time, if you just say, well, I'm just going to remove these things out of my life for now, for these couple weeks, pastor said we should do it, I guess I should do it. So if you lay some things aside, but you don't replace it with something else, you're really just being mean to yourself. You really are. And even beyond that, if you just lay some things aside, not only are you being mean, but it's actually meaningless. There has no point. You just remove some things out of your life for three weeks and all right, life will start clicking again in three weeks and what was the point of that? I don't want to do things that are, like that's one of my great pet peeves. Why are we doing this? Not doing anything. Let's do something. I don't want to do things that are meaningless. But see, the flip side of that is this. If If I lay some things aside during this time, of focused prayer and of fasting, and I replace that with some things of spiritual value and of spiritual weight. Prayer, reading God's word, reading some books, reading, reading, just giving more time, that time that I would normally give, you know, several hours to watching TV. Hey, I'm gonna give a couple of hours to reading God's word and reading a devotional, reading a book that God's been telling me to read for four years, but I just ain't got around to it yet. This is the time. Like remove the excuses of why you can't. Now I realize we still all have jobs. I don't live in some bubble that I'm like, oh, it must be nice to be a preacher and you just stay home and spend time with Jesus. One year I did a fast while I was digging fence posts by hand. And I was actually not eating food at the time. Because I was so tired of everybody's excuses saying, if you worked like me. And at that time, I wasn't a pastor. I was a fence hole digger. And I went in this little hut at lunchtime every day. And I prayed and I worshiped. And God would come and meet me in that little metal hut. So when when I tell you that I know what I'm talking about, this isn't like some shallow, churchy kind. I mean, like this is life to me. 
and I would leave and I would go out and work and I would wonder, how am I going to work? Because it was very physical labor. And I would work an eight, nine-hour day with no food for days on end. And it was amazing to me how my strength never waned. How God was right there. Why? Because I had put myself in a situation where I said, God, I cannot do this. There is no way that I can do this unless you help me. Weren't you hungry? Absolutely. Tree bark looked pretty good. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, yes, I was hungry. And look, and I'm not telling you to do that. And I'm not telling you that so that I, I, but I just want you to understand If we'll take this time and we will replace things that normally take up space in our life with things of real spiritual value, you will be challenged, but you will grow. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is God's agenda that you grow? Above all else, God wants you to grow as an individual. So yes, you're going to be challenged, but a challenge will create growth in you. Not only will you grow, I believe that you will be blessed but I also believe, just as it says there in Hebrews, that you will come out of this moment with renewed strength, with renewed understanding, with renewed passion for what God is doing in your life. Why? Because you took this time and you simply focused on the Lord. You focused on the Lord. You said, God, I, I need you more than anything else. More than my lunch. Look, a Daniel, quite honestly, a Daniel fast for me is harder than just not eating food. Because I'm not a big fruits and veggies guy. Well, that's all I'm eating. I'm like, all I'm thinking about is everything I should be eating that I'm not. I'm just like, I'll just not eat. Like, forget it. But I'm, I, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. I've seen this too many times in my life. I can tell you this. I would not be where I am today, doing what I'm doing today, if I had not walked in obedience in this area of my life. No doubt about it. You know, I mentioned about praying in that hut. That was about six years ago. It was a pivotal time in my life because I was in that limbo. I wasn't sure what I was doing, where I was going. We were trying to figure out what God had for us. And I'm still walking out some of the things from six years ago that the Lord put in my heart back then. Because it was kind of desperate. I don't know how else to tell you that, but it was. And we began to seek the Lord. We began to just make the priority of it. And I watched God work. And what God did for me, God will do for you. Absolutely. I want to pray over you this morning before we dismiss, but...